When we think about the future of resilience, a common topic keeps emerging. Artificial intelligence, AI. Is AI going to take our jobs? Should resilience professionals embrace the new technology? Listen and find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 103 of the Resilient Journey podcast presented by the Resilience Think Tank. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and this week I'm joined by someone who spoke on the topic of AI at DRJ Fall. Shane Matthew joins the podcast. Listen as Shane and I discuss how AI by itself probably won't take your job and how effective prompt management will improve your results. We also talk about the various AI tools that are available, and Shane provides a warning about exposing your organization's data without even realizing it. We also dig into how we can use AI to specifically help us in our day-to-day jobs. Shane, welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here, man. Uh, I know you have some interesting things on the go. Why don't you take a minute and tell everybody about yourself and, and what you're working on? Sure. Well, uh, I've been in the industry now for about uh, 17 years. Uh, and in that time, I've led programs for uh, government, healthcare, tech, and manufacturing. And uh, now I, I am the owner and principal consultant for Stone Risk Consulting, which is a resilience consulting firm that's helping companies with uh, either those that are starting their journey on, on business continuity, disaster recovery and crisis management, or those who are just hit a roadblock and uh, wanted to look at things a different way. So uh, most recently, I've been on the speaking circuit talking a lot about different topics that I'm really interested in. So uh, I'm excited to be here. Now, you're based where? In Texas, aren't you? Yeah, I'm uh, Dallas, Texas. I was born in Indiana, of all places, but uh, moved here when I was three. So I am claiming Texas citizenship. Now, here's the thing. Your clients aren't just in Texas. I mean, you're open to work from from anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I have clients on the West Coast now. I have clients in Texas uh, and uh, I'm consulting and working on projects that take me all over the U.S. And I'm hoping to expand that internationally. I mean, when I was a consulting leader for a company in the space a while back, I was on the plane a lot. And so I've done things in Europe as well. So, yeah. Yeah. No, you and I have the same model for our business, and it doesn't matter, you know, where the clients are. We can we can get the work done. I wanted to make sure we just took a minute to to promote that because I know it's important to you, and if it's important to you, then you know we like to collaborate with people, and it's important to us as well. So, you were at DRJ Fall in Phoenix, and you had the quote probably that resonated with the most people. Um, and by the way, that. Uh, mistakenly got attributed to me in a recent post by the think tank. Just a public apology to you. You know, that was just a oh, honest mistake. Um, but what you said was, and maybe I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but what you said is okay. AI won't take your job, but someone who can master AI will. I get mm. that about right. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, really resonated with me as I was thinking about this presentation I did at DRJ. Um, And, you know, I think that is a common concern many people have about technology, especially when something new comes on the scene. Um, But what I discovered in, in researching AI and thinking through some of the implications it has on our field, it's not ever going to be able to do something completely without 
human interaction. That is actually the benefit of AI is right to be able to work with humans and be able to do things that humans just need a little bit of extra support and help around. Um, and, and so therefore, if you can master a tool like that, then there's no there's no concerns in my book as to its ability to, to take over the, the key responsibilities that resilience professionals have. We're going to go through some of the things you said in your presentation, but one of them actually was that you do need to be aware of the answers that AI is providing you. Uh, you may have even said garbage in, garbage out at one point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it is uh, a machine, right? It's machines that can think and they can learn, and they have an amazing capability to process large amounts of data. But the challenge is, is that data collection, which is a kind of a cornerstone of building AI models, it relies on the builders to be able to have access to very clean data. And so inevitably, um, there's going to be the, the chance that you could have a data set that the AI model that you're interacting with is using that may have something that's either outdated or it's not correct. Uh, it contains biases of the of the model creators at times. So we have to approach it with a scrutiny to be able to say, I'm not just going to assume the data is uh, that's coming out of these systems are 100% accurate that is infallible. I hadn't planned on asking you this, but you know, misinformation then can really be propagated through some kind of a uh, of an AI tool. Oh, absolutely, and 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 that's that's one of the areas that people have to approach AI with that sort of mindset to say it's 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 ripe with potential for errors, for issues, for misinformation, as you mentioned, um, and 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 so when you approach using these tools you have to still have an awareness of the world and what the general content is that you're putting out before you just blindly walk in and say, I'm just going to take the word of, of this, this system. Right. Now there's a lot of different AI tools out there. Of course, chat GPT is the, is the, you know, sort of the, the name that everyone knows. Mm -hmm. uh, walk us through some of the different options and what your recommendations are, particularly if we want to really dig into this, and use it for a really meaningful tool. Sure. Um, you know, so what you described, ChatGPT, is what's called an open model, which basically means it's uh, utilized by many individual people and they contribute to the overall system. It's learning as it's gathering more data from the interactions it has with individuals. So, ChatGPT, Google Bard, Meta has their Llama product. These are all open models that are generally chat-based discussions. So you have a conversation with the model. It uh, gives you uh, responses based on your inquiries or questions or comments. And it's using data sets that are uh, tremendously large, but, you know, again, publicly available. And one of the cool things I just read, you know, right before this uh, podcast is that OpenAI has just announced that they are now accessing the internet through the chat GPT tool. So, which means up till just today, they were only having data up to 2021 from their data set. Now you have access to 
the entire internet, apparently through this article I read, for you to be able to use the tool with that sort of data set backing. So you have those open models, right? And then you have closed models. So those mean generally tools corporate environment makes for their own uses or for uses of their customers. So things like Alexa is a Amazon's uh, AI-based tool. Starbucks has Deep Brew, which is their internally uh, developed and utilized for their customers as well as their supply chain. But it's it's not a coffee flavor. It's a, it's actually a tool that's used to uh, optimize your supply chain to to uh, you know decide where we're going to uh, you know bring in certain supplies for a store that maybe is really utilizing a lot of a particular type of coffee blend. You know, so they're they're really utilizing it for their own purposes. And then you have all these publicly available tools um, that are kind of a mix where basically you subscribe to them and they give you specific functionality like fireflies.ai. It can record your this conversation right now and put out a after action report or a summary of everything we just discussed, some of the takeaways and after action items that you need to to, to use in your business. Um, there's 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 graphic design programs, there's presentation programs. There's a variety of AI tools now that you can use for general productivity. You use the phrase mastering AI in your presentation. And you said really the secret sauce to that was using good prompting techniques. You want to walk us through some of that and 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 it's it's not just one question and then you get your answer, right? I, I feel like it's more okay. interactive than that. No, absolutely. Um, so primarily we're talking about this in the context of the chat-based kind of interactions you might have with an AI tool like ChatGPT. Okay, so imagine you're asking for directions. Uh, you know, you're in a city you don't know and you're trying to get to a new location. Typically when you talk to someone, you're not just simply going to say, hey, I need to get to the Red House. You, you know, you're going to give a little bit more instruction like, hey, it's in this part of town. It has this type of look to it. Or you're going to give some detail. Right. And, and, and depending on how much detail you give, the respondent is going to give you a much better response or a much more uh, outcome from that interaction. So in the same way, prompt engineering is basically how you interact with these AI tools, how you tell them what you want. The more detailed, the more refined, the way you approach the question, the more the better result you're going to get. So, you know, prompt engineering is really about how you interact verbally with these tools. And then again, like you mentioned, not just stopping at uh, step one. Sometimes you might get a response. You're like, well, that's okay. You know, I, I want a little bit more meat to that. So you follow up with a secondary question or you follow up with a secondary statement that tells the, the model, hey, I need some more detail around this part of that response. So coming up with the first initial questions is always challenging. Uh, and so I found that there's a lot of cool prompts that you can, that are people have already kind of defined and, and are prepared to help you get started. But you know, having those specific types of prompts are very vital to interacting with these types of tools. When you ask a follow-up question in an AI conversation like that, is the follow-up conversation, is it understood that you're asking that within the context of the first answer oh yeah or or is it or is it open to interpretation again by the yeah the chat agent i, I think that's a great question too uh mark so with chat gpt the cool thing about it is that you have the context of the previous discussions that you had in your conversation so every time you start up a new chat with chat gpt it is able to recall the previously 
previously recorded responses that it provided that you asked it. So it has that running tally. So again, it's just like interacting with uh, us right now. You, you kind of recall what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, and you can quickly jump back to that uh, and, and, and talk about it further if we had to. So in the same way, AI models like ChatGPT can do the same. Now, I know people in the industry who are using ChatGPT to write articles and content and things for that, uh, things like that for them. Yeah. What's the public view on things like that? Does it, is that viewed as cutting corners or cheating, or does that undermine the integrity of the, and I'm using air quotes that nobody can see, but of the author of that? Mm-hmm. Like, what, mm-hmm. how is that viewed? Yeah, I, I, that's a great question, Mark, and that I, I think we've struggled with this for in, in a variety of contexts, the ki- idea of, you know, with the availability of information we see today in, on the internet and, 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 and the data has expanded dramatically on a day-to-day basis, do we need to publicly cite, hey, I didn't come up with this, or that we... Um, um, you know, attribute where this information came from. I think it's important, but I, you know, I, I call back to my my kids. There, uh, one one is uh, fourteen and in, in in junior high, and one of the things I noticed is she's not memorizing anywhere near the data that I had to memorize when I was going up, right? Because mm-hmm. it, at her fingertips, at in her phone, have the ability to access information. So memorizing is not really as important as processing the vast amounts of information is. So in the same way, I look at AI uh, and I think about it in that context that, hey, look, now we have tools that can do a lot of the processing, the practical writing and 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 putting together thoughts very quickly. But I'm still the architect. You know, I'm still the person that has to be able to understand how to interact with tools like this and still has to guide the direction of the tool to be able to produce the results that are accurate. And on a sidebar, I'll just say, when people use ChatGPT in 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 in, our, in day-to-day life, we see it on LinkedIn sometimes, and we see it on blogs. Eventually, everybody's going to be able to tell when it's built solely by the tool and by a human, because there are nuances that the artificial intelligence tools still are not able to quite overcome. So be careful about that when you're just copying and pasting over. Well, there's two things that can catch you there. One, uh, sometimes it'll say this content was generated (laughs) by ChatGPT. (laughs) That's a pretty good indicator that they didn't think of it. Right. But the other thing too, is that when the voice changes, when the voice of the writing goes from, you know, I sort of have this folksy kind of approach to things. And then all of a sudden, I start using phrases or a whole bunch of different things that just doesn't sound like me. I mean, it's it's pretty, pretty clear. Yeah, agreed. But Einstein said that intelligence is not the ability to store information, but to know where to find it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. are we getting smarter now because of this? Is that what we're saying? I, I think we are in some ways in that we are now able to quickly access the information that you know, up until now has been so vast and widespread, it's hard to not only um, process it, but store it, right? But the amazing thing about AI to me is that it has the ability as, like, if you had the time, you could sit there and read a large book about flying a jet plane, okay? But AI already has the ability to not only process that information 
in such a quick, it already has access to the information, first of all, but to process it and be able to distill it down to the key points that mm-hmm. would help you understand the basics at the beginning. That to me is is something far and away the benefit of what we were able to see in AI today. It, it feels in a way on one hand, we are getting smarter, but then in another way, we're getting a little bit dumber because we're not <laughs> processing that critical thinking. But it goes back to those good prompts. And so what you're saying here for good prompt engineering is to maybe start off broadly and then narrow in and get more specific as you go. Is is that a good technique? Yeah. So I, there's a prompt that I love to use. It's called the, the prompt engineer quote. So basically you're, you are using a set of instructions to chat GPT for, you're basically telling it, hey, take the prompt that I developed refine it and spit it back out to me in a better way. If you were the prompt engineer and you were trying to make this really specific set of instructions, spit it back out to me and then ask me questions about the prompt that I first started with to help you refine the prompt even further. All right. So you're using the tool itself to really redefine and clarify the question so that it can understand it better. And and that is an amazing component of this 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 whole process is that you don't have to be an expert, but as you start to see it refine the question for you, then you start to get a better feel for what kind of data I need to provide systems like this to really maximize the the outcome. That is brilliant. I really like that. Well, let's narrow it down a little bit or drill in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What are some good ways that people in our profession in the resilience industry can use different AI tools to take our programs to the next level. Yeah. Um, so right now, if you're focused purely on tools like ChatGPT, there's a, a very practical list of activities that we can implement. First, I would say our presentations in general, we always struggle with executive buy-in. That's constantly a topic in our conversation. Uh, well, well, the benefit of tools like ChatGPT is that you have a personal assistant, a a personal knowledgeable and, and very capable reviewer of your objectives, and it can help you really refine the both the uh, the points you want to make, but how you present it, right? It can really understand the audience as well. And you, of course, you have to provide this information, but it can do that for you. It can help you with presentations. Scenario planning, if you want to talk really specific to resilience, is, is a, a very practical capability of tools like this because, again, you can put in general information about your company, the location, the type of work you do, the type of uh, areas that you want to focus in on, and it can actually develop and think through what are some of the potential scenarios you need to consider to be prepared for. Uh, you can take resilience data like your BIA data. And I'm still experimenting with this, and I don't advocate anyone to just throw their BIA tool data into a uh, ChatGPT-esque tool at this point um, without taking some proper concern or, uh, excuse me, precautions. Uh, But you can actually analyze it, and it can actually practically sit down and say, hey, these are the concerns. Here's where your impacts would be and give you some of that analysis. I mean, it's like having your own personal risk data. 
you know, dedicated to wherever you want to target that information. And then finally, tabletop scenario building. That's a big one for me. I, I found that it can very quickly uh, access vast amounts of information and provide you with injects and um, even questions to ask your executives. And, and I've, based on your presentation in Phoenix, I, I've done that. I've, I've run some tabletop scenario ideas through um, being AI. Mm -hmm. And what I like about it is you can really get industry specific. Yes. You can say, okay, well, give me a good idea for a tabletop exercise in the transportation industry. And then again, based on the information that comes back, maybe pull out a key phrase or something like that and, and really leverage it. Now you talked about something that was a great setup for the next question. Mm-hmm. You, you talked about using a tool like this to go through your own BIA data, but unless it's a closed tool, you're exposing some pretty sensitive information publicly, aren't you? Or I mean, isn't that oh, a concern you have to be worried about? Absolutely. You know, it's it's very easy for for data that you have access to. And and now even with ChatGPT, there's the ability for it to read Excel files, for it to read PDFs. So it's very easy to upload your your last data set from a BIA and all your processes and all the departments and all the contact names and, and put it into a system like this. And it will read it, it will process it, it will give you good data, but that data now is residing within its repositories. And that's the caution I ultimately wanna make sure everyone is clear about is that it is not a secure system that's dedicated to you. It is a publicly open model. So that means if someone were to hack into their systems and were able to access those data sets, there is a real chance that your data could be accessed by others that you don't want to access it. So there's tremendous security around it. Uh, Microsoft Azure is actually building an environment just for companies to have their own chat GPT type of tool. And so therefore the security for your data is within those systems alone. But that being said, if you're using general tools, you have to make sure you're careful with that. Yeah, anything that you put out there is gonna stay out there. I mean, that's- Right, it's just like the internet today, right? If you publicly post pictures or quotes of yourself, then it one day could come back to haunt you. So be careful. Hmm, Very interesting. Are you seeing organizations implement different policies around the use of uh, AI tools like this? No, absolutely. Uh, I've seen, in fact, I had several people raise that question in my meeting or my presentation. Uh, And then afterwards, I had a financial institution reach out and had a conversation about this. And they told me that they had built a AI policy. Their decision was that their company would uh, allow their employees to access. Many companies are not, and many companies are still trying to figure their ways around, you know, the security and their concerns around that. But this company in particular said, "Hey, we'll we'll allow people to use it. These are the parameters by which they can use it." And so they had a very clear policy statement about what employees can share and what they should not share with systems like ChatGPT. Yeah, no, I, I like that. that. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like I I tried to mentally go through the presentation that I saw you do, which was excellent, by the way. But let me open it up to you. Let me let me reverse engineer some prompts to you, then, sir. Uh, <laughs> what should I have asked you about the use of uh, Chat GPT or AI tools like that? Uh, what didn't I ask you that you'd like to share? Um, 
I think one of the things that people tend to think about ChatGPT is is maybe uh, about its its current capabilities, right? So what what can you do with it? What are some of the new things that are coming out? And then also, uh, what is some of our resilience providers doing with the you know the developments in AI and how they're integrating it into it? Mm -hmm. That's an area that I think two things that we could speak to. Um, I mean, on the first one, it's it's that you know there's a tremendous addition of like information, like I mean, I just mentioned the internet links that you can actually actively use. I just started using it, in fact, the other day, where you can plug in links and it will go read that site and come back and give you a summary of hey, here's what I found on that site, and here's how the information applies to the conversation we're having, and now it has the ability to actively pursue the internet and search for information and answers as part of your conversation that you're having. Uh, but the plugins is the amazing component. You know, you have a plugin uh, is basically a small side app that you can integrate into the ChatGPT environment that helps you do some additional processing that ChatGPT doesn't have the capability around. So for example, Canva, which is a major illustration tool, Mm -hmm. is integrated into ChatGPT. And so therefore, it actually can recommend to you visual diagrams and images that would be perfect for the situation that you hand. If I ask for a presentation, it can go into Canva and say, here's a format that you would, we would recommend you use uh, for your presentation or a, a diagram or an illustration that would work for this particular part of the presentation. And there's a lot of plug plugins that are now available. The, the library is growing tremendously. Um, and, and and so I think that's that's vitally important to realize is it's not just about conversation, it's about maximizing all the capabilities that are now starting to be built out with tools like this for your own program. Because many of us have one person, two people kind of programs. Uh, right. You don't have the time to do all these really cool things. Um, and so having a tool like this at your disposal is going to be tremendously time-saving and, and increase your ability. There's a, there's a number of people in, in our industry that are older, and I can say the word older because I'm older, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, and one of the things that I would encourage people my age or similar age, or uh, really doesn't matter how old you are, is don't be afraid of this. Embrace it. Uh, give yourself permission to maybe not be as good at it to start, but keep working at it and keep practicing at it, right? I mean, yeah. if you don't embrace it, it's it's only going to hurt you. No, I 100% agree with that, Mark. I, I think people need to realize that our profession, um, there's tremendous opportunity for improvement in any profession. But in our profession, I would say we have to change our mindset about the fact that, yes, things work in, in certain ways, but we have tools that are now dramatically improving our capabilities and can create better products. So why not? you know, embrace those and start to investigate them on our own. You're never too old. Never too old. And you're never too old to to stop learning. And there is no point in your career where you can afford to just rest on your laurels. It just doesn't right. work like that. Yeah. All right. You ready for the hard question? <laughs> I've been preparing. I've heard <laughs> about this question. <laughs> I ask everybody or almost everybody who comes on the podcast, you just finished a presentation. If you had your choice of walk-up music as you were walking up to the podium to do your presentation, what song would you pick and why? Great question. Um, I work for a company that actually instituted this policy for any time we had major meetings. You would walk up and they had a 
opportunity for you to pick your own walk-up music. Uh, I would pick, I know it's pretty cool. Uh, I would pick 24K Magic by Bruno Mars. All right. Because uh, that to me, you know, if I, many people probably don't listen to words, actually just like the music and the song. And I love the song, but the words themselves just kind of reflect a little bit about what I like about bringing to anything, any situation is just let's, let's make this fun. Let's just make this exciting. Let's not uh, just focus on hey, it's work or it's, it's a, it's a general topic. Let's make everything we do super exciting for the people that are involved with it. Are you a dangerous man with some money in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> that's my man good job all right yeah, no, no, I, listen, yeah. you, you told me something i gotta give you major credit for you said your 14 year old daughter agreed with you on the song yeah i i ran it by my uh, focus group this morning and uh my my son and uh 10 and my daughter 14 i was like do you think that matches for me and they're like they both looked at me like yeah actually it does so that's the first time we've had agreement uh, on on topics like that so i was excited i, I knew i got the right one Groundbreaking uh, news here on the uh, Resilient uh, Journey podcast. Multi-generational agreement on music. It just doesn't happen, man. That, <laughs> it doesn't great. happen often. <laughs> now, now, listen, like me, your consulting practice is your bread and butter. So um, I, want, oh, thank you. I, I want you to give a chance to uh, uh, let people know how they can connect with you. If they want to engage Absolutely. with you on a consulting engagement or just talk to you more. Well, thank you, Mark, for that. Uh, I, I think LinkedIn.com slash Shane Matthew, uh, that's that's the way to go for the most uh, you know regular content for me. And you can always communicate with me. I love to help people where I can. Uh, and then StoneRiskConsulting.com. Uh, in fact, uh, if you don't mind, I'm 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 I'm, I'm actually putting together a training that's going to be dedicated to um, AI. And so you can go to stonerisconsulting.com slash AI training to get on our uh, list uh, that we'll be announcing very soon, the dates and, and what it'll be the content. But those those are the big ways to, to communicate with me. And I'd love to help wherever I can. Excellent. Shane, thank you for doing this. I appreciate your insights, man. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. I want to thank Shane Matthew for being my guest and talking to us about AI. I'm wondering, are you using AI at all in your day-to-day -day job? Let us know in the comments. Next week, I'm joined by Brady Hendricks, and we're going to talk about the importance of relationship building in crisis management. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey. <laughs>